Hey folks, make sure to stay up to date on all the latest episodes by following us at Get Wrecked Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Or if you have any recommendations you'd like to hear us review on the show, you can contact us directly via email. Or, I don't know, maybe you just want to send us some feet pics. You creep, I don't know what you're into. I don't care. We'll review those too. What do you think of that, huh? In any case, all your requests, feedback, and general criticism of the straight white patriarchy can be sent to getrectpod at gmail.com. That's G-I-T-R-E-C-D-P-O-D at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. The whole surrogacy thing has been an experience. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, I, there's no way to avoid, like, that's something that's, even though these people are ostensibly strangers like there's gonna be you know it's like a lifelong connection you guys have yeah it's it's definitely weird um i imagine like because i'm i'm kind of like along for the ride just as as the spouse you know it it was just such a weird thing um but a very cool thing it was it was weird in a good way uh and then they came here over thanksgiving break and we met them for the first time in person over thanksgiving uh, and then they came, you know, a couple weeks early for delivery because yeah. they wanted to make sure that Ashley didn't go into labor, um, and them not be here. So we got to hang out with them a couple times with that. But you do you you get to like bond with them weirdly, yeah. Um, just through this this whole thing, and and the family started just buying us gifts, like. And they just started shipping us gifts and they didn't say that it was from them and things just started showing up at our house. <laughs> like, like I was, it was while, um, it was the day after, uh, Ashley delivered. So her mom was here watching, watching Freya. So I, I came home and there are just like gifts of potter's plants, like just pots that have been sent from Amazon. And so I called Ashley. I'm like, are you ordering more plants like what we've got, because we've got over 50 in this house. Again, whatever. That's fine. It makes her happy. Yeah. But we're running out of space, Thor. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, Jerry, there's too many plants. No, I get it. I'm right there with you. Yeah. So once the summer kicks in, my whole deck, my deck is nothing but yeah, but plants and like cut from cut from other plants to try and oh yeah uh, propagating propag propag yeah plants being propagated yep that's my whole deck now (laughs) when it gets nice out yeah so so i called her and i'm like what is this and she goes i have no idea what that is i'm like so you just have benefactors now that are just supporting your plant life turns out it was the couple they just bought it and sent it and then um you should have told ashley so for the next couple months, you're really into PlayStation Five. You're really stupid. <laughs> yeah. So then, like a week later, this box comes and it's got my name on it, and it's a delivery. And I'm like, "What is this?" And I ask Ashley about it, and she goes, "I didn't order that, but my name was on the label." And again, no return address, no nothing. And I'm opening the box, and I open it and it's all of these like super fancy dress socks. It's a box that's probably like two feet wide by a foot high and then, you know, a couple inches thick. 
just filled with artsy dress socks. <laughs> and and I'm like, where did this come from? What is this? And so the next time that they were over, I was like, did you guys buy me socks? And he just went, yes. Out with the old, in with the new. Because... <laughs> Because the last, like, two times that I saw them, all of my socks had holes in them. Uh, so, <laughs> so they just... <laughs> it was like, dude, get new socks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're probably... They're probably thinking, this cheap bastard, he just paid him X amount of dollars for a baby, and he, he won't buy he won't new buy. socks. <laughs> probably, Yeah. <laughs> And uh, welcome to Get Wrecked, a podcast where two buddies sit, shoot the shit, and recommend things to each other. Uh, I'm joined with my host, as always, Thor Jolly. Hey, yo. And uh, today we're going to be discussing a video game that I recommended for Thor based off of our previous episode with Nick Cage. Um, what was that show again? Or what was that movie? The. Prisoners, the prisoners of Ghost of Ghost. Yeah, Prisoners just, of Ghostland. That, yeah, I want to say Ghost of Tsushima, which is a video game and not a movie. So definitely an interesting watch. I want to say Ghosts of an Insane Person. <laughs> that, that, that is definitely Yoshijiro. <laughs> Yoshijiro. <laughs> One testicle. <laughs> um, uh. It was for all the sweet bitches. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so we, uh, I gave Thor something that I don't know what Thor was thinking. I, I wasn't sure. By, by your facial expressions, you didn't sound super intrigued with this suggestion. Well, you described the, you described the video game to me. It's Death Stranding. So, once again, as always, big spoiler alert, we're going to be talking in depth about uh, all the plot and stuff like that. Yes. Yeah, you, you described Death Stranding to me, and you're like, basically you walk everywhere, and a big part of it is you have to organize the cargo on your back. <laughs> to which I said, it sounds like you want me to play the postman, the Kevin <laughs> Costner movie. And I... I was kind of right. You were kind of right. I was kind of right. Yeah, yeah. What were your What were your initial thoughts uh, playing? Because I you beat the game, didn't you? I did. So <laughs> that's, that's I was really not impressive. Super excited going into it. Yeah. I was like, we'll, we'll see how this goes. And after about the first few hours of playing it, I was like, God damn, Micah. <laughs> because now I'm never gonna stop playing this game. It's strangely, like, it sucks you in. It's wildly fun. And so once again, like, kind of the base description of it is it's a post-apocalyptic world, and you are a, a delivery person. You're a, what they call a porter. You know, you're transporting items from one safe zone to another safe zone. 
And I mean, that is the core driving mechanic of the game is that you're delivering things Mm -hmm. from one area to another. But it it just sucks you in and it's so much fun just going from one place to another. Yeah, it's it's a game that's all about the journey. Like 100%, it's about traversing and making it from point A to point B. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, just give me give me your your rundown thoughts. What do you think about um Norman Reedus playing the main character? What'd you think of like graphics, soundtrack? What'd you think of you know gameplay? What are the, your thoughts? The game, all, right off the bat, game is beautiful, and I, I'm, I'm assuming right. it's probably released on PlayStation Five and some of the. I they, could be wrong. Maybe. They recently, I, they have at least announced a director's cut, which we can touch base on later for playstation 5 that wasn't the director's cut <laughs> no yeah okay we'll talk about that we'll Holy talk about cow. that later. but yeah no so i'm playing it on a playstation 4 yeah is uh the copy you gave me um it's beautiful like right away i was astounded at how good this game looks and i don't play a lot of video games and primarily most of my gaming I do is on the Nintendo Switch okay. just because it's the most convenient for me. So I don't really play a lot of new games. I mean, I'll usually, if a game's, you know, hot, it's the new thing and it's still, I'll usually wait a couple years till the price dies down just because yeah. I'm not a huge uh, video game guy. Yeah. But I, I was just, as soon as it started, I'm like, it's beautiful. Not only the cutscenes that you start with, but just the actual gameplay is, it's, an astounding looking game. Yeah. Uh, the thing that I really, enjoy, I mean, it's, it's going to sound weird, but I, I enjoyed planning the trip and cause the way that the game is set up is the, the terrain is not friendly. It's not conducive to travel at all. And a lot of it, especially early game is traveling by foot through the mud and rain and on super uneven, rocky terrain. Dude, the first couple of hours, you're just constantly falling down, just trying to figure out how you can walk, how fast you can walk. Yeah. And and you got to push because you realize pretty quickly, like, oh, if I walk more than fast, there's a good chance I could fall. But it's so slow that you're like, okay, I'm going to try to go a little faster. Yeah. Dude, the first couple hours, I fell so much. I <laughs> fell so many times. I was so frustrated. <laughs> it is. It's a frustrating thing. But I, to me, I think... That's such a cool... I feel like it takes the open world concept of a game, all right? And when you play any open world and you go to the next mission point or you go to the next waypoint, you just, like, set the marker and then you go. Either you look at the mini-map or you follow the compass. You fast travel. Yeah, or or you fast travel. But the, the destination or the journey to that waypoint is never really part of the game it's like you travel there so that you can get to the next quest Mm -hmm. yeah and i feel like they've kind of flipped it with this game and the quest itself like the destination doesn't matter too much because you're just delivering things like that's all you're doing to empty warehouses yeah so the excitement isn't at the destination the excitement is in the journey going to that place yeah and trying to progress the storyline yeah before we go much i want to kind of get into the storyline a little bit okay because this is a wild storyline it really is so 
it's from uh what, what's his name hideo kojima hideo kojima yeah so i never played any of the metal gear solid games okay but through just kind of through cultural osmosis, I know a bit about them. And the one thing I know about this guy is that he has really wild uh, storylines for his games. Yeah. And that he really likes long cutscenes. He does like long cutscenes. So I was kind of prepared for that. Okay. I wasn't prepared enough. But <laughs> but the, the game the game right off the bat is the story is so neat. Right off the bat, because you start pretty much, you get a cutscene pretty much right away. You know, you're trying to deliver a package. You you wreck your bike, and you take cover in this cave, and you start seeing these invisible, presumably an invisible creature. Right. Putting its its uh, it's like hand imprints it's, into yeah, the it's mud. Yeah. marks. Yeah. And it's kind of sniffing you, and you can tell you're you can tell he's scared. Yeah. And then you meet. Uh, what's her name? Fragile. Fragile, yep. And she's a really mysterious figure. She's got this umbrella, yeah. and she can, like, teleport. She can teleport, and she eats this weird bug. Yeah. And the rain's coming down, and you don't know exactly what's going on with the rain, but you can tell that it's bad. Yeah. And you're like, oh, it must be, like, acid, or it must be something bad. You end mm-hmm. up coming to find out that the rain is now, it's actually just it's called time fall. Yeah. So when it hits you, whatever it hits, anything organic, it ate, or actually not even not even yeah. anything it hits, it actually ages it ahead. It's yeah. Like so, <laughs> like like it cra- makes time move faster on whatever it touches. Yeah, and and you see that in the first cutscene too with the dude who like gets. I think he gets trapped. You make your first delivery. You meet fragile. Yeah. You crash your bike, and then you got to pick your stuff back up and go to the city right the first city you get to yeah um east not city or the capital city whatever it is yeah that's kind of that's kind of that's basically your tutorial yep teaching you kind of like the very basics yeah yeah and then you go into that cutscene with the guy you're trying to deliver a dead body right it's gonna go it's gonna go nuclear or whatever they say yeah yeah because you're not exactly sure what why it's bad but you know that you need to get rid of the body so that something bad doesn't happen to it. Yep. Yeah, and then as you as you're going out, you know, you get caught in a storm, the monsters start coming. Yeah. And yeah, that guy gets exposed to the time fall and you see him turn old and yeah. before your eyes. And just decay and that type of thing. It's it's such a cool weird premise for a game. Um and I felt like it kind of needed something abstract like that to make the rest of the actual gameplay interesting that concept of timefall and uh the they call them the bts mm-hmm. uh which are essentially invisible monsters that you can only kind of sense yeah it is at no point throughout the entire game not terrifying <laughs> when you are encountering these things because you can only kind of sense them yeah and you have to go really slow and even as you start getting access to better weapons and your character gets better, mm-hmm. there is never a point where you're like, I'm not scared at all of this. Yeah. Like, I feel in a lot of, especially adventure RPG type games, once you get to a certain level, you'll just run up to any enemy. Right. You don't care. You're like, I can take on anybody. The BTs are never not terrifying. Always scared. It's such a pain in the ass. It's such a pain in the ass, but it's always so scary. Well, and that's part of it too, because when you like as you go through the game, you'll see like, okay, that's your destination. 
you could go there in a straight line, but there's a storm directly in between you Mm -hmm. and your destination. So the storm kind of brings out the monsters. That's where they show up. If it's a nice, clear day, then you don't have to worry about them too much. So you see the storm and you're like, I don't think that I want to. I mean, you can. It doesn't prevent you from going straight through. But it really makes you think about how else can I get there? And it really makes you think about the the traversal of, of getting to that location and trying yeah. to look at the map and look at the terrain. And you're like, well, there's a kind of a cliff over here. Did I bring the right supplies to be able to scale this yeah. giant hilltop? Yeah, because you can only bring so much stuff because you want to lug as much cargo as you can each right. trip. But you also got to bring tools. And honestly, I'll say probably... I regret a little bit. I really enjoyed the motorcycles. Yeah. Okay. The, the trike you could get. And so once I kind of got access to those, mm-hmm. that's really the only way I traveled. Yeah. Pretty much the whole time once I got it. And I kind of, once I kind of got towards the end of the game, I was like, eh, like there are a lot of those tools I never used or I used maybe once. Okay. Like the grappling hooks and the ladders. I oh, I really, used the ladders I never a lot. really did. I never really used that stuff much. It was like, yeah. If I can't get there on my motorcycle, I'm going to go around a kind of different <laughs> way. One of the cool things about this game, speaking of the motorcycles, I don't know if it works on foot as well, but as you traverse the landscape, the landscape will change once you drive, drive over it and you will create trails. Huh. You will create paths. Yeah. So you don't have to rely because a lot of the game is... It's just going back and forth from one place right. to another. Yeah, there's a lot of different kind of waypoints. Especially once you get start going towards the western area mm-hmm. where it's you really got to just go back and forth a lot. Especially if you want to build the roads for the motorcycle, which I spend a lot of time doing. I uh, have a big issue with that. You have a big issue with the roads? The goddamn material requirements oh, for it okay. were absurd <laughs> just because they were all the same. Yeah. And... It's like metal and ceramics and maybe so, resins or something. Yeah. But there's but ceramics specifically, there's one that you always need a ton of. It's so hard to find. Yeah. It's so sparse. So like constantly I'm just lugging things back and forth, trying to steal ceramics, take all the ceramics from this place mm-hmm. to move them to the thing. So I spent probably about 20 hours building roads. Building roads. Just going back and forth. <laughs> So interesting. It's interesting that you mentioned that because you you played this 100% offline, right? You played it. Uh huh. Correct. Okay. So something I when I played it, I was playing it online, and they have this this thing that they call an asynchronous multiplayer, and you see it a little bit. Like they've got NPCs that uh, you'll see other porters that put up a station somewhere, and you can come across that. But that's true for everybody who's playing it online. I don't know how they define it. I don't know if it's by region or like when you start your game, these 10 players are also playing at the same time. But the more you play, you'll start to see structures that other players built and created. And you might you might see just a random motorcycle on the side of a cliff, abandoned. And then when you walk up to it, it'll say who the motorcycle belonged to. It'll give like the gamer tag. Oh, that's and, cool. Or you'll come across... Like a lot of times ladders, ladders were really neat in this game because you could use them to climb up or you could use them to traverse across streams or rivers because 
traveling through rivers or streams was Ugh. nearly impossible in this game. Ugh, yeah. Like, cause you, you, you're walking through water and you're trying to, you've got a massive like weight on your back or shoulders and you're trying to lug that through. So they try to make it like it would actually be. Mm-hmm. You can't just like sprint through the water. Yeah. And when you get caught in the river, oh man, it, oh, yeah. and it does you... you in. It just pulls <laughs> you downstream. You're, you got to wiggle your way to the side. It's yeah. Fun. And then, and then grab all your shit cause it fell off of you. But one of the neatest things for me was traveling and thinking, how am I going to get there? And then I explore a little bit more and I find a ladder that somebody has put down. Yeah, that seems neat. And you're just like, oh, man. And you look and you see who put the ladder down and you're just like, thank you, gamer girl, chug score 69. <laughs> like, you just got all of this, this thankfulness for some random person who put a ladder down in their game and because it's asynchronous, meaning like not at the same time, you never actually see the people that you're playing with. Yeah. But the remnants of their journeys are in your game. And so to go along with that, the highways are meant to be, at least in my opinion, a community-built highway road. Is there a lot of material? Yes, to to like well, make a no. section of the highway. They'll own now. No. Because it's plenty of metal. You got yeah. plenty of metal. Everybody's got metal. Who doesn't have metal? Right. Who doesn't have resin? Everybody's got resin. Resin Nobody's everywhere. Nobody's got goddamn ceramic. <laughs> but but to go just to go with that, like you're not the only person building that section of the highway. Like other people can add to that. Yeah, and, no, and I know. And so so you would have like 10 people trying to build that same highway rather than just Thor trying to build that yeah. highway. So I, I think that that's probably the idea behind it. So playing it not online probably hindered you in that aspect. Yeah. It was just, that, that was just frustrating to me because I was like, it would absolutely just, be frustrating just because like I said, I never worried about having enough metal for <laughs> or the goddamn resin. Yeah. Just that ceramic. That ceramic. Like, just make it as equally, and you'll find metal all over the place, dropped on the ground, mm-hmm. random packages to pick up. And I did play offline. Some of the NPCs do drop, like finding like ladders and stuff like that. Yeah, the yeah, NPCs yeah. have that as well. Okay. So I, I, I totally understood the concept yeah. of, well, what was that? I didn't realize you never meet the other player. I thought maybe you could play with your oh your friends or something yep. and actually nope. see them in the game. Yeah, you never meet them. But yeah, God, don't get me ceramic. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. So if I had to describe this game to somebody, because I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it is just work. It's like it having a work. second job. Because. <laughs> Yeah. You're the basically this this whole game is it's a post-apocalyptic future mm-hmm. and the entire future is ran by Amazon delivery drivers basically yeah whose currency that they are paid in is likes. Yes. Yep. It's kind of like a weird social commentary. Yeah. Weird, weirdly <laughs> this enough. This guy's like, when the world ends, the only thing that'll be left is Amazon. Yeah. And everybody will be paid in how many likes you can get. <laughs> yeah, but that's kind of like, weirdly enough, the likes were a weird currency that affected me when I played. Because if somebody helped me out with some of my stuff, or like, like if I found that ladder. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus. And I would 
like the shit out of that thing because when you get to the area it gives you like a time frame that you can just mash the like button yeah. throw in as many likes as you can get within that like five seconds or, yeah. or one second and so i would just hit the hell out of that thing and then it also incentivized me to try and make the journey easier for other people so yeah even if i like if i traversed a big cliff top even if I didn't use like the kind of like a stake with a long rope attached to yeah. it, like even if I didn't use that to get up there at all, I would throw the stake in and just throw the rope out in hopes that maybe somebody else would be somebody going this way. Yeah. yeah. And it would help them on the journey. And I feel like that was a really, really cool thing as far as a multiplayer aspect, because multiplayer on on video games can get so toxic and the negative aspect of of competition and that type of thing can can really seep into the video game yeah if you want to play online with other people and this having it asynchronous having it something where you didn't actually deal with the person you just dealt with the remnants and the only thing that they could do was help you it's positive yeah yeah so having that like positive interaction with an online experience i thought was really cool that's that's me yeah i can see that but yeah. But as far as these monsters, right? We said that you they're kind of invisible. The BTs, yeah. yeah. You fight them with your blood, which with your, is so cool. Yeah. But but um should how do we how do we even tell if we're close to a BT? The BB. The BB. Oh man, this story. Okay. <laughs> let's get let's get into the story of this game. So, you have a unborn fetus. Yep. Kind of trapped in a state of perpetual purgatory yeah it's like in utero indefinitely yeah in this little pack you wear on you know and that allows you plug that thing into you and it allows you to see the monsters the bts yeah it allows you to kind of like sense them and you end up finding out they're essentially like creatures that have died previously Mm -hmm. or other humans that have died previously the bts are Trapped souls, essentially. Yeah, and BT stands for beached things. I'm not sure where that came from, but that's where that's yeah. what the BT stands because for. Because the the death strand. Do they ever really exactly explain what the death stranding is? They do in a Hideo Kojima type of way. Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> like like it's an extinction event essentially, but nobody says exactly what kicked it off that i'm uh, that i'm aware of i don't recall but essentially what happened is people when they die they got access to like another dimension almost yeah like but it's the afterlife and it's called the yeah. beach yep and you play as norman reedus's character uh sam he's a repatriate so yes. when he dies he basically just comes back to he life. comes back to life and so when he dies he goes to the beach and then he comes back yeah you're specifically finding your body when you die. And it's kind of like this weird mini game almost when you die that you have to locate your body and then you come back to life. Yeah, so that's th- those are the monsters. So you plug into this little baby suspended in this pack you and that helps you see the invisible monsters. Yeah, <laughs> that chase you down. Yeah, but it it's it shows you them in the sense of like when you get close to them, you've got this little arm device contraption on your body. Yeah. And that just springs up and it starts kind of blinking and it turns and faces the direction that the monsters yeah. are. Yeah. So much fun. Yeah. So much are, fun. so scary. Are, 
So you're like crouching and you're trying to go in the opposite direction that that thing is facing because you want to go away from the monsters. Yeah, because you can only see them because it does help you see them, but you can only see their outlines and only if you're not moving. Yeah. <laughs> so as soon as you start moving, you have to rely on this blinking light. And when you start getting close to one, it goes beep, 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 yeah. and which is just, it just shoots your anxiety up. Yeah. These things are terrifying. Yeah. I hate them. I hate them. <laughs> yeah, they, and they kind of have like, do you notice that they are kind of connected by a cord? That yeah, is they like all have going, like an umbilical cord. Yeah, going up to the sky as well. Yeah, you end up cutting it towards the end. Right, right, like, right, right. Your handcuffs right. let you like cut mm-hmm. the thing. Yeah. So the characters, the whole cast is awesome. Mm-hmm. Benicio Del Toro. Right. Um, Norman Reedus. And then what's what's his nuts? The guy who's, uh, he has a face that is in a lot of things. I'll look it up. Yeah, he's, he's the antagonist. He's, he's essentially like the ghost. Oh no, you're. Are you talking about the gold mask guy, or the guy who you get BB's visions of? Oh, the guy who you get BB's vision. That's who I'm thinking of. Yeah, is the yeah. who is BB's father? Yeah. The story is kind of hard to follow. Kind of like not hard to follow, but it just kind of doesn't. I've tried to rack my brain around the story. Mads Nicholson. It just doesn't really make sense. Yeah, Mads. That's Nicholson. who I was thinking of. Awesome. Yeah. So great cast. Um, hilarious names, some of them. Uh, you got Die Hard Man. Yeah, yeah, they're really, they're really tongue in cheek a lot uh, of times. Dead Man, super on uh, the nose. Yeah, the guy whose heart stops every twenty minutes, who dies every twenty minutes, and then comes back to life. His name is, you guessed it, Heart Man. <laughs> oh, the girl with the twin, who you and Mama. She mm-hmm. plays Mama and yeah. then her twin. I liked that storyline. It was very neat. There's a Conan O'Brien. Yeah, (laughs) they put him in the game. The the cast is great and the cutscenes are great until you start getting towards the end. And then it was. Well, it gets very, you know, it gets very Kojima. The the end of the game is a slog. Yeah. No two ways about it. Yeah. I enjoyed this game. The the ending, though. Do you feel like they could have ended the game sooner? Pretty much from the point that you cross the tar field, yeah. cross the tar river, mm-hmm. everything after that was miserable. <laughs> because not only you cross it and then there's tons of cutscenes. Like just cutscene, you do something and then you get a 20 minute long cutscene. Yeah. Then you do something and you get a 20 minute long cutscene. But even the stuff you're doing is like there's these two boss fights or kind of like boss fights where you're fighting these big, giant, icky monsters. They're made of the black icky stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That are just so long. Like, unnecessarily long. Where you just keep shooting them and keep shooting them. And yeah. Um, when you fight the big, icky monster, and then you fight the big, flying, icky yeah, monster. Yeah, because... Icky whale monster. <laughs> They were kind of cool, like visually. I thought they were yeah, very, Yeah, visually it was very cool. cool, but those fights seemed just so drawn out. I yeah. Mean, they were just kind of annoying, especially the flying one, because you got to wait for it to fly close to you and then shoot it a couple times and then easily avoid the things it drops off it. It was just... So... And then just like eight hours worth of cutscenes. Something like that. Yep. That's, uh, that's a Hideo Kojima game, my friend. They did recently... Well... What can you can you give me a a, a final verdict on it, Thor? Um, oh, I want to keep going a little bit. Oh yeah, yeah. How yeah, do okay. you feel about the combat in it? So the combat there was there was 
I personally enjoyed the game quite a bit. I don't think that the combat was very tough. I didn't feel like it was um, a slog in that you would die a lot and... Yeah, no. And, you know, it was challenging in that way. I felt like it was challenging, but... I don't think that I died too much in the game. A couple times yeah. I did. I avoided a conflict. That's actually, I mean, ideally playing that game is you're trying to avoid conflict yeah. as much as possible. Yeah. So there are different parts where you get taken to that other world. Yeah. With Hans. Right. What, yeah. Something Mickelson. Uh, Mad Mickelson. Mad Mickelson. Yeah. Yeah, those where those scenes were super cool. Where you're like you're back, you're fighting in a World War One battle scene, and then a yeah. World War Two, and then Vietnam. I loved that. Yeah. And the cool thing is that I was playing that, and I was like, this could be the game. He could have just made a sick World War Two action shooter style game, right? Because in those parts, it was really fun. Or even if you want really want a lot of combat, you could just you can just keep going to the mule bases, yeah. and raiding them. Yeah, I mean the combat was fun. I thought it was it was simple. It wasn't overly challenging. Even the big bosses, I didn't think that they were yeah, overly challenging. It's really, not a game about the combat. But yeah. it could have been like if they wanted to make just a really good shooting game. I think he could have done it. But it, he's like, no, nah, that's boring. Let's let's walk <laughs> from one place to another. Which yeah. <laughs> pretty neat. Yeah, I re- I really enjoyed the combat when it happened, but it felt like it. It was definitely rare. You were not meant, you didn't want to get into combat. You were trying to play it safe as much as possible. So I like that. That's definitely true. Yeah. Um, The story's so weird. Story's so out, especially once again, you start getting towards the end (laughs) and you end up figuring, you you know pretty quickly that you're seeing Hans Mikkelsen, Mads Mikkelsen, Mm -hmm. the character he's playing is essentially your BB unit which you were like kind of forming this weird bond with. Yeah. Um, it's his father. And you slowly through uh, visions, like, you know, minute, two minute long cutscenes that this was his father. Yeah. And you're having, you're seeing like the memories of the BB. You're unit. seeing the memories of the BB. But what you end up finding out towards the very end is that, that you were the BB. But it doesn't make sense. <laughs> So you end up finding out that, yes, so the the lady who was ended up being your mom, yeah. who was your mom, and then she was also the one who was your sister. Yep. That, like, sister, kind of, like, weird, like, love interest, the person you've known since you're, I don't know, it's kind of weird. But that she essentially split into two people, her living self and then her soul self. Yeah. They called it like your Ra and your Ka. Mm-hmm. That's what happened with Mama and her twin sister, essentially. So weird. So weird. <laughs> but so she split herself into two. So you end up finding out that BB is actually you. Yeah. And that BB died. But what doesn't make sense is how do you both still have a body? <laughs> because BB's thing got like destroyed. Or no, no, he got shot, but they brought him back to life. And you see that. So you're like, oh, I'm just BB. But where did your body come from? Because BB is still in the tube. Yeah, that's a that's a good question. It was just a huge plot hole. Uh, I just don't understand. Like, it was neat. It made sense. Like, oh, BB is actually you as a child. You've been hanging out with yourself this whole time. But they don't explain how the two of how you got a new 
body. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, like, so, like, how did you actually split into two? So, Sam is the original. I'm, I'm looking at an IGN article. I just typed in Death Stranding Ending Explained. Oh, okay, yeah, let's okay. hear this. So, um, it kind of has it sectioned off into different categories. But according to the website, um, it's saying Sam is the original BB, all grown up. So, in a panic, having certainly not intended on killing BB, Emil... Amelie, it was Emil, right? Is that how you pronounce it? Amelie. Amelie. That's Amelie. right, Amelie. Yep. Uh, rushes to Sam's beach and revives BB, thereby giving renewed life to what eventually becomes Sam, and explains his ability to repatriate from death. Sam was born to Cliff and Lisa Unger, and was the first baby to be the UCA's highly secretive BB program. The reason Sam gets flashbacks of Cliff throughout the game is that. Oh, as he connects to BB is perhaps because of Sam and Clifford's connection as father and son, as we initially were led to believe. So it doesn't really talk about the whole body thing, like having an extra body. So the post-game, the big finale, when you've carried out all of your remaining duties, including bringing Luis into real life, the game reverts two weeks before the presidential inauguration. Yeah, and then you can tie yeah, up and you all can your... tie up, yeah, all the loose ends. Yeah, that's basically the keep playing after the story is yeah. over part. yeah. But yeah, the, the story, awesome. Awesome. It's very, very, very weird, cool. Very interesting. I loved it. Except yeah. for the except for that part. I was like, it just doesn't really make sense to me how that all works. Yeah. And it's a little bit silly. They're like, oh, we're looking back. This extinction event has happened five times before. And this is just another time that's happened. What do you think killed the dinosaurs? Yeah. A death stranding. Like, yeah. It felt a little bit easy compared to like kind of how out of the box the rest of the story was like they didn't try to bring reason to anything else like weird or fucking out there yeah but they did try to bring reason to the ending like, of the oh world. yeah this is this weird <laughs> extinction event has been happening all the five major extinctions were a death stranding yeah like why does why does that explanation or why does that connection to something relevant to the real world even have to exist yeah yeah like it was totally unnecessary just say mm -hmm. it's a death stranding who cares and she's an ex this person amelie is the extinction event yeah also towards the end of the game when you get trapped on the beach mm -hmm. you got to just keep running oh yeah and just keep doing that for a while and i was like is the game over i don't <laughs> know that pissed me off so much because I was like, I was like, is the game just over? I can't figure it out because the credits rolled and you're just running. I was ready to turn the game off because the credits are rolling and mm -hmm. I just kept running. And then eventually it goes back into a cutscene and it's like, oh, no, you're talking on the beach. Yeah, those Kojima does really it's, weird it's shit. It's been a couple weeks since I've since I've played. So I'm trying to remember exactly how that played out because you. It's yeah, it's been even longer since I've beaten it. So I, I off the top of my head, I can't remember because it's like you talk to Amelie on the beach and she gives you the option to kill her or let it play out, I think. Well, Kojima does like weird stuff like that with almost all of his games. Like, did you play Metal Gear Solid for the PlayStation? No, didn't oh play any Metal Gear. Oh, Solid. man. Metal Gear Solid for the PlayStation. Exquisite game. Like abs, it probably doesn't hold up because it's for the original PlayStation. Yeah, the the you know the mechanics are probably way dated now. But they did some weird stuff with that game. Like there was a there was a villain named Psychomantis that you had to fight, and he could read your thoughts. And when the fight, 
obviously he had to take out Psycho Manus. But anytime that you tried to hit him or shoot him or anything like that, he would dodge everything that you did because he knew what you were going to do because he could read your thoughts. So the way that you beat him was you actually had to, uh, at this time, the controllers had a cord on them and they were plugged into the PlayStation. Oh, yeah, you had to plug it into the different controller, You had to plug it into the Player 2 slot and then he couldn't read your thoughts and then he was like super easy to beat. Yeah, I heard he did all kinds of weird stuff like that, like uh, in order to like solve a particular puzzle, you had to have the game box and like, yeah. the code was on the game box. Yeah, and, and I remember I remember playing it because because there, there's the you know, you've got this intercom kind of phone talking system to multiple characters through the game. And they're like, the answer's on the back of the CD case. And I'm just like, what the fuck does that mean? Well, I'm playing the game because <laughs> because there's nothing else that's told. He's just the answers on the back of the CD case. And so I'm looking through the whole game, like like the map of the area that I'm in in the game. And I'm like, is there a disc? Is there like a, a CD case somewhere that I'm supposed to pick up and look at the back of? And like three days later, I just was cleaning my room or something stupid and mundane. And I happened to pick up the damn game case and I see a freaking code on the back of the video game case. And I'm like, you motherfucker. I was offended, but I was also impressed. Yeah. And and so, but like, I remember at that specific moment in time, I stopped everything that I was doing. I turned the game on and I put in that code and it worked. <laughs> and, and so just like weird things like that are in his games kind of through and through. So it, it makes sense that his stuff gets even weirder as time goes on. Yeah, well, and from what I've heard, is, is it correct? He, uh, Konami, right? Was Konami sacked him. They, yeah, they got rid of him, so he started his own game company. He was like, yep. I can do whatever I want, so we're going to make a game about taking packages from one place to another. Yeah, and that's kind of what... Like what surprised me about the director's cut, quote unquote. Yeah, oh, about, yeah you said that. <laughs> about the what game. What did you cut out? <laughs> right. What did you cut out, Kojima? But, but also, like the director's cut is usually like what the director intent. Like that's a reference to what the director intended, what he really wanted to do. But yeah. they couldn't put it in for a theatrical release, and they had to cut things out that he yeah. didn't really want to get rid of. You know. It's Kojima Productions. It's his company. It's his company. He it. Like, who said no to him? I'm pretty sure that Konami said no to Death Stranding. I'll bet that he went to him and he's like, I got this great idea. You walk. And he just puts down his pencil. <laughs> and, and I'll bet that Konami's like, yeah, Kojima, you've been good for us, but... There's going to be like guns and stuff, right? And he's like, yeah, but you don't really use them. You right. you try to you try to hide from combat. Yeah. Um, they're like, okay, how about monsters? Yeah, there's going to be monsters. Okay, cool. So you have like combat with monsters. Yeah, you throw your blood and shit at them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's yeah. I like in the game. A, you constantly you can collect your urine yeah, and your, poop yep. to, to throw to at them grenades. as well as your blood. But I like when you're kind of in that room, if you kind of sit there or you click on the things in the room, Norman Reedus's character will break the fourth wall and will like point yeah. at you and shake his head at you. Yeah, or like or, wink at you. Or like kind of say like point towards the shower if he's dirty and gross. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was kind of fun. Yeah, I did enjoy that too. Something else that I thought was very interesting was that um, if this game taught me anything, it's that 
Cockroaches survive apocalypses, right? They can live through anything. We knew this. Mm -hmm. But also, monster energy drinks can survive. (laughs) Yeah, that was... (laughs) They can survive anything. Yeah, these weird... um, There's a lot of weird tongue-in-cheek stuff that... Like the monster energy drink still sticks around. Like, like really on the nose product placement. How do you how do you have more energy for your next run? You drink three monster energy drinks. <laughs> That's how you do it. <laughs> Evidently, Coca Cola still exists because they own Monster, and they're still doing their thing. Yep, in the end of the world it'll be. It sounds right. Coke, I mean, probably Coke, Amazon. And social media to get likes. That's all that'll be left. Sounds like a good future. <laughs> but yeah, no, I really, I really enjoyed this. It was a lot. Uh, but yeah, that that ending, like the direct, the concept of a director's cut. So let me tell you how the ending happened for me. <laughs> Regale us, yeah. I had gotten pretty close, and I was like, I knew I was getting to like the very end of it. And so I told Kendra, my wife, I told her, hey, I'm going to go downstairs, play, play. I want to just get this beat. So I'll, I'll be back up in like an hour or two. Yeah. It took me six hours <laughs> to finish it. And I'm talking like the very end, like yeah. the very end. Like I killed the big flying, the big flying monster, uh-huh. probably. Like I knew I was like at the cusp of the end of the game. Mm-hmm. And I was. But I wasn't planning on at least two hours of cutscenes. Yeah. At least two hours. And then you, it's like, okay, cutscene's over. Now you got to take the dead BB, which is actually you, and go put him in a furnace thing. But you're not allowed to, we're not going to give you a motorcycle for this one. You got to walk it the whole, like, come on, <laughs> come on. I just want to get to the end of the game. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, I love this game. It was so much fun, but God, I should have tried to end it. I should have started going towards the end earlier Sooner. because I did not plan on how long the ending was. And and I the thing is, I really loved the story throughout the game, but I didn't like that because it made me resent everything I was watching. I was like, just shut up. Yeah. Like, I have to watch this because I've played this far. I'm not going to skip this cutscene. I want to see what happens. Yeah. But it made me resent everything that was happening to me. I was like, Mm. come on, please, please let it be over. Like, (laughs) you're giving me 20 minutes of dialogue of something that could have been three sentences. Yeah. Like, just dragging out dialogue. (laughs) Yeah, there is that. I mean, you could you could probably legitimately make a feature length film out of the cutscenes in this. So you can make it a, a 20 hour series <laughs> out of everything in the game. Holy cow. Yeah, so so looking at what is in the director's cut. This article says the 13 changes that are in the director's cut. There are new graphic options. Evidently Monster Energy is gone. Monster Energy seems to be no more. Monster Energy could survive the apocalyptic death stranding, but it wouldn't survive a console jump. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we assume it's the result of some sort of simple licensing deal. Um, so now it goes from monster energy to bridges energy. There's dual sense support, which has to do with the new PlayStation controllers, new combat abilities, new equipable items, uh, firing range, the roadster, which looks like a hot rod vehicle, basically, uh, is in it. And then there's a racetrack, new structures. So it basically is just like, the game re-released, but with more in it. 
not I, more cutscenes. Yeah, so that's good. That's good. Yeah, I could see a racetrack. That 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 makes sense. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. I I really enjoyed the driving in the game. Yeah, me too. Once, like I said, once I got access to the motorcycles. Yeah. I really didn't walk, unless <laughs> unless I absolutely had to. Yeah, I tried to take the the cargo, like the the trucks that you could just load up all the cargo into the big trucks, like the mule. Oh, mule, the mule trucks. trucks. I would use that a lot. Oh, more, okay. More so, and then I would go to one one point. I mean, honestly, I didn't even realize you could take those till towards the end of my playthrough. Oh yeah. Yeah, just because I pretty much avoided mule camp. Like I said, I really avoided combat. Yeah. As much as possible. I really enjoyed the the gun that was like the cool thing about the, the bolo game, gun yeah the bolo gun like yeah. even when they're like yeah we're gonna have combat but it's non-lethal combat like it's a gun that shoots oh. a bolo net. you know actually what i do one thing i regret is you can put lethal rounds in it what That's happens true. if you kill one of those guys with lethal rounds oh a monster shows up just a monster shows up or like like a boss monster shows up like one of the one of the tar monsters shows up okay yeah. yeah those things were nasty and that's that's actually another cool thing so so like Hideo Kojima when when he first did Metal Gear not Metal Gear Solid for the PlayStation but Metal Gear for Nintendo like the NES old Nintendo system um, they wanted a war game and his whole thing was well if I'm in a war he goes I feel like what I would do is try to avoid it and that's how like the stealth genre was made oh Interesting. And so he was thinking instead of just a shooting game, he didn't want to make that. He wanted to make something where you snuck around and you avoided combat. And that like that was the whole premise of of the original Metal Gear. And so it's interesting to see that thought process continue you know what the first Nintendo was in the mid 80s when that was released. Yeah. Like 40 years past that point, he's still doing that idea of trying to avoid combat and make it not so that it's just a run-and-gun type of video game. And he's throwing things in there to to avoid the conflict because you are strongly encouraged not to kill the mules. And yeah. the mules are basically just cargo thieves. Yeah. That, that's essentially what they are. We haven't explained that, but that's basically what they are. It's just people who like to steal your shit on the way from point A to point B. Yeah. They're a real pain in the ass. They are, because they will come at you with electric sticks and... And they're, they're, yeah, they're a pain in the neck. They'll shoot your damn motorcycle and shut it down so you can't even get away from them? Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I messed some mules up, though. Oh, yeah. Because you can, you can use the packages as weapons and just, like, beat the <laughs> I, sh- I never really... Oh, I did that. <laughs> I uh, the bolo the sh- gun and the, the, like, the stun grenades. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then once, eventually you can get the rocket launcher mm-hmm. or the grenade launcher. Yeah. And launch, like, uh, stun, stun grenades at them. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that shit was just popping them right in the chest with a stun <laughs> grenade what a game it's definitely i i i recommended it to you because it was a unique game like it's definitely a strange thing and it's not something that comes around often no when you described it to me i was like this sounds dumb <laughs> and also there was a little bit like i said never played hideo kojima games yeah but i know the reputation through just from hearing about it, the yeah. cultural osmosis, I I knew, yeah. I knew a little bit of what I was getting into. Yeah, and it's it. I would say that but. it is a game that you're either going to like or you're gonna really fucking hate. So 
I wasn't sure where you were going to be at on that scale, but either way, I figured that it would be an experience for you. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It definitely was. So final thoughts, final thoughts. This game is, this game is awesome to give it a rating. I guess it'd be, this would probably be the one appropriate time to not give it a silly rating, but to give it a number of stars. (laughs) <laughs> because the whole time you're working for stars so that, that is true yeah. yeah so probably uh four and a half four and a half five. out of five four okay and a half out of five and honestly the my only dings on it are the ridiculously long end of the game yeah like come on that's come on yep that that's honestly the only thing i didn't like <laughs> oh and the stupid roads Put more ceramics in the game. How about that for the director's (laughs) cut? Make ceramics more available or make the amount you need to build the roads lower. Yeah. Or just give us less metals and a little bit more ceramics. Why is there so much of every other resource? But not ceramics. every other resource except ceramics. Yep. It didn't make sense. Well, hopefully Hideo Kojima listens to this and understands the people's concern. Hideo Kojima, more ceramics. <laughs> you know what? One star. Add more ceramics. Then I'll put you up to four and a half. God damn it. <laughs> Those roads were fun, though. Once I did get, like, I didn't oh, yeah. do all of them. Yeah. But once I got most of them built, yeah. it was, God, I had a big, long, I had a big, long right. stretch of road. And you there just, was a sense of accomplishment. Yeah. You just go flying on. The, those bikes are fun, too. Yeah. I really liked the mechanics of the bikes. Yeah super like yeah it, it, it was good stuff all right so four and a half stars out of five that yeah four and a four, half, four out, and half out of five like I said, that that's my only yeah. complaint honestly that's understandable the story's a little bit wacky the story is a little bit wacky honestly the game the game can drag on a bit yeah it, it certainly can drag on if especially if if you're really somebody who likes a lot of action a lot of adventure maybe, not the game for you. for you yeah, yeah. but the yeah, moment I, that it had me was when i think it was Maybe the the chapter that the open world was introduced mm-hmm. and you're traveling and you go up this cliff and you see the terrain, just all of the world that you can travel. And there's this song called oh, Don't Be So Serious. Dude, the way they do the soundtrack is awesome. As As you walk to parts, as you get to places or as things happen... It will kick in a thematic song. Yeah. To it. it was brilliant. I've never seen that done in a game. Yeah. The soundtrack for this game I thought like, was fantastic. There are certain songs you don't unlock until you get to a certain area or t- until a certain thing happens. Yeah. And a lot of times songs you already have unlocked once you're traveling and it's sunny out, there's no monsters and you've just been traveling for a mm-hmm. bit. A song will just kind of kick on. Yeah. And then as soon as something starts happening, it'll slowly fade out. Yeah. It's the way they did the soundtrack was very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Made I think very thematic. Yeah. I, I think once that experience happened, so that the song was don't be so serious by low roar. I, I the band's name is low roar. I don't know if it's a single person and they just go by that. But when that happened, I was like, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. And from that point on, I was hooked in the game. I was kind of on the fence. I bought it again because I figured it would be an experience. I just, I wasn't sure if I was going to like it, but I normally wait like, like you do two two or three years after the game comes out and pay like 20 bucks for it. Yeah. Um, and that's what I did for this. So I figured if I didn't like it, it was only 20 bucks. Oh, is this that old? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how yeah. long this game came Yeah, out. strangely enough. Um, I'm not sure when the when the game came out. 
Death Stranding. Let's look it up. Real yeah, quick. I don't keep track. Like I'm currently playing uh, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater One and Two on Nintendo <laughs> Switch right now. So, <laughs> so I'm not really up to date with what the what the most current video games are. Yeah, November nineteenth or November two thousand nineteen. Okay, is when it came out. So I probably got it like last, not the most recent Black Friday, but the Black Friday prior to that. Yeah, when it was twenty bucks, something like that. Yeah, this game was awesome. It was. That was great. Well, cool. I'm glad it was an experience for you. So, going on into future episodes, what so, do you uh, what do you got for me, dude? I got a couple that I watched that I think could be interesting. Okay. I've been watching a lot of documentaries. Ooh, like okay. Like docu-series. I enjoy docu-series. So, what sounds more interesting to you? A con man, uh, dictators, or a famous rock and roll band? I'm leaning towards con man. Con man. Have you seen... Now, this one's a pretty new one. Okay. And it's got a lot of buzz around it, so you may have seen it already. Okay. But have you watched The Tinder Swindler? I have not watched The Tinder Swindler. How much have you heard about it? Not much. Like, at all. I've okay. heard. I've heard that it's pretty ludicrous, but that's about it. <laughs> all right, cool. So, yeah. Tinder, Tinder. Swindler, okay. Netflix original documentary. It's, all right. Uh, and it's not a long... It's like an hour and a half. Okay. Um... But yeah, it's a wild story. It's a wild story. It's a wild story. And like I said, this one's a, you know, most of the time I feel like we're going to kind of be, you know, trying to recommend, you know, older stuff or yeah. things like, I mean, so far I've recommended like the Fugees and Eon Flux. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of things like probably from our past that are the other person's not aware of. Yeah. But this is one, I mean, as of this recording, it's been out for maybe a month. Okay. And, you know, it definitely got a lot of talk and buzz when it first came out. Yeah. Um, Our friend Dan asked me if I saw it and I was like, nope. And he goes, it's wild. And I'm like, OK. And that's all the conversation was. So, yeah. No, so I have no. I don't I, want to tell you anything yeah. about it I'm because you have that, to go into it blind. OK. The only yeah. thing you can really, I mean, probably presume is that people get swindled. Yeah. Through Tinder, I'm, I'm Through guessing. Tinder. OK. Yeah. I mean that sounds like a good a good show just just on that alone. You remember your uh, fake Batman villain, the Swindler? Oh yeah, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, the best Batman villain ever. They should make a movie about Batman. Swindler, Swindler on yeah. Tinder. <laughs> Speaking of Batman, have you seen the new Batman? No, we were gonna go yesterday. Yeah. Uh, just didn't work out because I had to work early this morning. So we're probably going to go this weekend Dude, or maybe next weekend. You got to tell me what your thoughts are on it. Have you it, seen? I'm assuming you've seen it. Yeah. Um, our friend Colin, he sent me a text on like Tuesday last week and he's like, hey, what are you doing on Thursday? And I was like, I don't, I don't know why. He goes, he, he won two tickets from the local comic book store. Oh, nice. And so, yeah, so we went to go see it. Fucking awesome. Cool. Like, I really 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 liked it i really enjoyed it all right um yeah i haven't seen heard much about it or anything uh it's super dark it's probably as far as content wise the darkest batman that that has been out there i saw i saw one headline and i didn't even read it because i was like Ugh, come on but it was like i saw one headline and it was like Fans hate the new Batman because it's too woke or something, something like that. They're trying to shoehorn woke politics into Batman and fan and audiences aren't having it. And oh I was like, gosh. I was like, OK, clickbait article. I'm, yeah. Like I didn't even I was just like, OK. And I I literally 
that's the article I've like that was the title of the article other than yeah. that I really haven't heard anything I think, from anybody yeah so in scenarios but, like that I feel like if you want to that with that because I've heard that controversy on the movie as well and I'll just say that if you look for things to get pissed off about you'll probably find things to get pissed sure, off about yeah. but if you just take the movie for what it is it's not like the movie is like oh by the way, did you know that white people are awful and people of color are great? Like, that's not what they're doing. That's not what they're saying. They're not. They're not it's not like the Riddler is is going like down with the cisgendered white male. Like, that's not what he's saying. That's that's not part of it at all. Like, so so they race swapped Commissioner Gordon. Is that a big deal? Does that really matter? Oh, it's so woke. Ugh. Like. Ugh, black people can't be commissioners. Fucking idiot. <laughs> that, that was a joke. What I'm saying is a yeah. stupid person would say that. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that was sarcasm on your end. Or, or the fact that, like, Selena Kyle isn't isn't white. Or that the new mayor of Gotham isn't white. And she's portrayed as a good person. And that the kind of aristocrat elites, the negative views, or, like, the negatively shown people mm-hmm. are, like, white people. Okay. Except for Batman. The hero of the story. The protagonist of the story <laughs> happens to be a white male. So, I don't know. If if Batman was played... Okay. So I don't have to worry about that. No. Then. I'm not going to get... No. You're, it's, you're because gonna... I'm not going to... Because that, that does exist in it, movies. Like, it like, does. I'll be honest. That does in... exist in movies and i get it it doesn't upset me but that is the type of thing where, where sometimes you can there's a difference between like okay here's a diverse cast yeah and here's a movie made with ulterior motives aside from just making entertainment yes. and that's fine uh yeah you know so that could but okay uh, that was my only concern is I was like, ugh. Yeah, no. They said it's too woke and audiences hate it. I don't think that that's the case at all. Like, at all. Um, and politically speaking, I am usually more on the libertarian end. Uh, so I feel like if something was quote unquote woke, I'd be like, yes, I could, I could see where they're coming from yeah. with the Batman thing. I don't see where they're coming from. Okay. It's just cool. Awesome. I, I think that it's just people looking to get angry over nothing. Yeah. That's yeah. that, yeah. they're just looking for controversy. Because yeah, no. so, they don't like Robert Pattinson because they're like, he's a vampire, he was sparkly, he can't be the Batman. <laughs> That's right. He's not a straight white male, he's a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Talk about underrepresented vampires. Vampires, yeah. Vampires don't have a seat in any. We need more vampire <laughs> representation in Hollywood That's today, right. Thor. <laughs> All right, so next week. We are getting into the Tindler Swindler. It's on Netflix, right? Tinder Swindler, yeah. It's a Netflix original. Okay. Um, it was based off of an, you know, a, an article that went viral from uh, some news company. Okay. Like they basically wrote like a, a couple page write up on this story. Gotcha. That's kind of how people first became aware of it. Okay. And then Netflix picked it up, made it into a documentary. Uh, it's pretty cool. Okay. So, I look forward to trying be, it out. It'll be a fun talk. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. All right, man. Well, thanks for this recommendation. I'm glad that you enjoyed, it sounds like, for the most part, Death Stranding. Everybody else, watch The Tindless Wonder. You probably already have. 
Uh, and you're probably ahead of the game on me. I'm, I'm a little bit behind the ball. So next week, Tindler Swinder. Tinder Swindler. That's going to be a problem. Say it five times fast. Tinder Swindler. Tinder Swindler. Um, <laughs> next week, <laughs> Tinder Swindler is a thing. Um, I'm probably going to butcher it. Watch it. Follow along with us. And we'll see you then. Cool. All right. So until that. As always, get wrecked. Stay wrecked. Stay <laughs> wrecked.